Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics podcast. Uh, back after a bit of an absence um, for reasons I can't quite remember. I don't know if anyone else remembers why we went. General technical bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why are we here this week then? Hey. <laughs> anyway, I am Steve Norman. I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And James Diamond. Hello. Uh, this week, there is no news, no film news at all this week, but we have got the quiz. Uh, Owen is 1-0 up in yeah. this new quiz format. Uh, and this week, we start off with Die Hard 2. Okay. Next is Super Mario Bros. <sighs> Followed by... Carlito's Way. Now that's a hell of a jump in films, isn't it? That is, that is <laughs> yeah. pretty much as diametrically opposite as you can get. Um, oh, do you know what? I'm waiting for that killer one to come in yet. I'm trying. Die Hard 2, Jesus. I, don't... I must admit, I can't remember seeing him in Die Hard 2. Okay, okay. It's okay. There. Uh, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Right. Oh, the, Baz, the Baz Luhrmann one. Yeah, that, this, it can't be that obvious. <laughs> uh, he was the voice of Rat in Doctor Doolittle, starring Eddie Murphy, in 1998. This is a this is a no tough idea. one. Uh, he was in Moulin Rouge. Loads of Baz Um James. Yes, James. Oh, oh, Jim Broadbent. <laughs> what in Die Hard Two? <laughs> <laughs> I know he was in some weird. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics podcast, uh, back after a bit of an absence um, for reasons I can't quite remember. I don't know if anyone else remembers why we went. General technical bullshit. <laughs> so, so why are we here this week then? Hey. Anyway, I am Steve Norman. I am joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And James Diamond. Hello. Uh, this week, there is no news, no film news at all this week, but we have got the quiz. Uh, Owen is 1-0 up in yeah. this new quiz format. Uh, and this week, we start off with Die Hard 2. Okay. Next is Super Mario Bros. Followed <laughs> by 
Carlito's way. Now that's a hell of a jump in films, isn't it? <laughs> that is that is yeah. pretty much as diametrically opposite as you can get. Um, oh, do you know what? I'm waiting for that killer one to come in yet? I'm trying. Die Hard Two, Jesus! I don't. I hmm. must admit, I can't remember seeing him in Die Hard Two. Okay, okay. It's okay. There. Uh, Romeo, massive. Romeo and Juliet. Right, oh, the, Baz, the Baz Luhrmann one. Yeah, that this it can't be that obvious. Uh, <laughs> he was the voice of Rat in Doctor Doolittle. Starring Eddie Murphy in 1998. This is a this is a no tough idea. one. Uh, he was in Moulin Rouge. Loads of Baz Um James. Yes, James. Oh, oh, Jim Broadbent. What in Die Hard Two? <laughs> <laughs> I know he was in some weird. I know he had been in an action film at some point in America in the 80s. I think maybe I'm completely making this up now. <laughs> I've just pretty much gone on the moves there. Uh, collateral damage. Oh, now, now this would be the, this would be the, the sort of big killer. So I won't tell you who was the voice of in this film okay. and its subsequent films. But he was in Ice Age. Oh, and it's not um, John John Leguizamo, is it? Guizamo. It, it, it is. Yes. Oh, dude. I never would have got Look, that. He's one of my favourite actors. Who did I not know? <laughs> I, wow. How was was he in Die Hard Two? I'm try, I can't remember him in it at all. He he must have apparently, he played a character called Burke. I can't remember that person existing. Wow. No, I don't know. I see now. Now there's actually something for grabs. Owens up the game. Owens has been hustling yeah. us this entire time. Yeah. He's just been waiting for it to be worth something, right. and now, now he's on something? it. Is there a prize? Yeah, when you get to three, you get to pick a film that we all watch. Oh, and then you get to run the quiz money. after that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've got I've got loads of just cash left <laughs> to pay for quizzes. Yeah. Gives me an excuse to watch Die Hard 2 again now, though. Just try and yeah, definitely. Find out definitely. where he is, isn't it? Um, this is probably not much point having a break before what we've been watching. Um, go straight so we'll into it. Go straight in and do what we've been watching. Uh, I'm reviewing some t- TV programmes uh, later as I have been running a pub for a fortnight and not have time to see a new film. It's really hard work running a pub. And, sure. and, there's, and there's also no good films set in pubs that I can think of. Like a whole film. A whole film, well, yeah. Then, no. yeah. yeah. There's a lot of pubs. Yeah. 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 One Shaun film. of the Dead is half set in a pub. One and a half films. <laughs> Do you know that's that's something I'm going to look up for next time. American and I reckon I reckon we can find some good ones. Slaughtered Lambs, one of my favourite pubs. Yes. And films. Yeah. Anyway, okay. um, <laughs> bit of a tangent. Owen, what have you watched this week? Um, I watched a film which I know that Jerry's seen before. I know it's a mm-hmm. shame he's not here to talk about it, but um, he's been the director Michael Haneke has been mentioned before with Amour, mm-hmm. which uh, I know that you loved last year, um, yes. James. But I've still not seen that, but it is on Netflix, so I will try and get around to it. I watched um, one of his earlier films, well, earlier than them all, uh, Cachet, or Hidden, as it is titled over here. Um, mm. It's the first of his films that I've ever seen. I know that's a bit bad because he's quite a you know critically accepted genius of filmmaking. Um, but, yeah, it's the first, first time I've watched any of his movies. Um, and I feel a little bit kind of already on the defensive about it because, it, oh, yeah, okay, I can see that in many respects it is quite a um, 
you know, a really well-made film. It's unlike most other films that I've seen. The the plot to the, the the story, actually, the story is just really what you would expect from a standard um, mystery kind of thriller type film, you know. Uh, it's about a guy who's receiving, or well, a guy and his wife who are receiving videotapes. Um, just of them entering their house, leaving their house, just really strange videos, just to kind of mess with their heads, basically. Um, just as I'm doing normal things. Um, the husband kind of thinks he knows who's sending the tapes, so he goes out to try and find this guy and confront him, but he's, you know, he's absolutely convinced that it's this person who's sending the tapes. Keeps it a little bit secret from his wife, um, and it's kind of a mystery to the viewer as well in in many respects. So, I mean, it, it does seem like it's got the plot for a very... Um, you know, it could almost be a Luke Besson film, you know. It's, it's this guy sending tapes and a guy who goes to confront him about it and it's all a bit strange. But it's it's unlike any thriller I've seen. It, there's no genre that I could kind of pigeonhole it to when I was trying to think what type of film is it because the way that it's shot is just unusual. I mean, very, very unusual. It's it's mainly about a, a film about people and, um, you know, how past crimes, you've always got this guilty conscience about things that you did as a kid or you know, you might have done when you were younger and, you know, you, you feel a little bit guilty about it and how they haunt you all the time. But then it kind of brings to, to the front of your mind these, like, prejudices that are innate in everybody, really. Everyone, when they're in times of desperation and they're really struggling and there's no one else left to blame and it all comes down to, you know, whether it's, um, you know, racial prejudices in some characters, whether it's social class prejudices they might, they might hold against people. Um, it's really trying to express how... Doesn't matter how civilized you pretend to be, everyone, it, you know, when you're panicking, you just reach out and try to blame anything, really, and you try and grasp onto these these things to try and relieve your own guilt. And uh, you know, partly what ties into the title of Hidden, I think, and it's these things that you suppress in yourself, and you don't want people to, you you don't even claim to have yourself, but you know, perhaps everybody's got something there, and it's interesting. The, what I know annoys a lot of people about Cache, I put it out there on Twitter because I was really struggling to decide whether I like this film or not. And I wanted some people's um, opinions to help me try and formulate my own, really. Um, and it seemed to get a mix of people who thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was fantastic and it's just this revolutionary way of filmmaking. Um, and other people who were saying that it's just this film about nothing. Nothing happens. There's just lots and lots of shots of... Um, things that you are left to interpret on yourself uh, by yourself. So, do you think this is what's happening? Do, does this seem like it's logical to you as the viewer? And uh, yeah, I can see how that would that is annoying um, at times. It leaves a lot of things unanswered. A lot of the plot is unspoken, and a lot of the characters' motivations are left for you to draw your own conclusions to. And the way that the film kind of ends. As, again, going back to how most psychological thrillers end, they have a twist, they have this big massive confrontation, this conflict that gets resolved. Um, here it's just, it, it, it doesn't fizzle out so much as it just it stops. <laughs> you know, it just carries yeah. on. And then at the end of it, that's the end of the film. Here you go. I've made this film for you, says Michael Haneke, and you can just watch it and you decide whether you like it or not. And it's, yeah, it's really hard to kind of find ways to critique it um, because a lot of it, I assume, kind of went over my head 
and was maybe a bit too clever for me. Um, so I'm struggling to think of why I wouldn't like it, but then at the same time I can't decide if I did like it, why did I like it? What did I like about it? Because I'm I'm just kind of grasping at straws for things to think of. Well, why 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 would it be a good film? So it's a weird film for me to try and review on here because I, I've written a, re- a review that I've posted posted on Letterboxd. Um, you know, I watched it a week ago and I'm still thinking about it now, and I still can't decide. <laughs> whether I liked it or not. I can see it's a very well-made film. I can see it's just completely different to everything else I've ever seen that's, you know, that's got a similar sort of plot to it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know whether I liked it or not. I just don't know. That I, I've not seen it. I've got it on my shelf to watch. Okay. Uh, it's another one that I've picked up for two quid secondhand in a charity shop type thing. Um, but it does sound to me in a way a similar experience that I had with Amore, ended up loving Amore but I left the cinema in that whole sense that I've no idea quite what I've just seen, Mm. I don't quite know what I think about it but what I love is that it you you can't not have a reaction to it and you might swing from one to another and it seems to me that's very much his style of filmmaking he's he's not going to give you an easy time and give you something nice and easy and go oh that was all tied up nice nicely um yeah that's exactly the kind of reaction i had to the ending i thought well as soon as it finished i thought what the was that about what on Mm. earth just happened what did i watch and then after a bit of time and thinking about it a bit more oh okay that was quite clever i'll see what he was doing there but then, yeah. yeah, still stuck in the I don't know whether I like it or not camp, I'm afraid. So I'm going to take the um, easy way out and say to people, you watch it and then you decide if you like it. And I'd be interested to hear anyone who, you know, whatever opinion you had on it, bad or good, because it's just one of those films that you, you want other people to see so you can talk about and try and work yeah. it for yourself what you thought of it. Yeah, it's a very interesting film, though. Very different. Okay, um, James, what did you watch this? Uh, very briefly, uh, I'll be very brief on mine because it doesn't really deserve a huge... It's not that it was a bad film. Basically, uh, I watched Filth um, and then I decided to watch some other crooked, corrupt cops going into you know the pit of insanity along a similar theme. Uh, so I tried to watch, uh, re-watch, cause I watched it a few years ago but I didn't remember it very well. Um, Werner Herzog and Nicholas Cage's Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, uh, but my disc was scratched, so I only got halfway through that. Then I tried to watch the theatrical version, uh, not the theatrical, the director's cut of Leon, because I've never seen that before. Apparently that's got a few disturbing ideas around um, underage sex and stuff like that. Uh, fell asleep during that as well, uh, so I'm going to have to go to a film that I watched last week, because I've not watched that many films this week, unfortunately, not a lot of time. Um, apart from Minister Marceau, The Change Up, so very quickly. <laughs> the Change Up uh, is from the director of Wedding Crashers and the writers of The Hangover. Gives you a rough idea of what we're looking at here. Um, it stars Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds, plus Leslie Mann and uh, Olivia Wilde. And it is, it's a, an example of one of my, one of the genres that I've got a soft spot for, and that is the body swap comedy <laughs> genre. Uh, as I've always enjoyed that. Ever since when I was younger, I saw I saw Big, which was one person swapping into an older body. Uh, but classic examples of the genre obviously include uh, the original Freaky Friday, plus the remake with Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Lindsay Lohan, um, and also Vice Versa, which I believe it was Judge Reinhold and possibly Fred Savage. I think that's what we're looking at there. Um, this is, again, it's, what happens is Jason Bateman, who uh, most people know from Arrested Development, 
Uh, he is a married man with two kids and a loving wife, but he feels kind of trapped uh, by the, all this responsibility. He's also a lawyer, just about to make partner. His best mate uh, is played by Ryan Reynolds, and he is an actor, well, a struggling actor, but he's in the sexual prime. He's having sex with loads of women. He's very confident. He's a bit of a douchebag, basically. And then one night they're out drinking, and they say that they're jealous of each other's lives, and they're peeing in a fountain, and it gets struck by lightning, and they end up changed bodies, and hilarity ensues, as you can imagine. Um, Does it, though? <laughs> At times, I'll be honest, there were some funny bits to it. Um, It does help that Jason Bateman is a very funny man. I like him a lot. Ryan Reynolds is very good in this as well. And one of the good things about this, yeah, my other favourite body swap film is uh, Face Off. Uh, (laughs) And what I loved about Face Off was actually how Nicolas Cage and John Travolta got each other's mannerisms really well done uh, when they were swapped. And actually that happens here. Ryan Reynolds does some very good Jason Bateman uh, like as Ryan Reynolds, but he kind of brings in mannerisms of how Jason Bateman would be if he was inside Ryan Reynolds' body and vice versa. And that helps. Um, I watched the unrated extra rude version, obviously. Uh, there was an extra two minutes of I don't know what in there. I can't, I can't compare it to the theatrical version. Um but there was some there was some quite weird because you the the body swap comedy is generally quite a soft genre. It's quite a family friendly, very eighties genre. Um, this was you could tell it was written by the people who wrote The Hangover and directed by the bloke who wrote um, did Wedding Crashers. There was some there was some rude moments. Um, Leslie Mann gets her tits out, but they're not hers. Apparently they're computer generated and everything like that. But you know, there's a lot of toilet humour, there's a lot of crass humour. But there is some funny bits. There are some moments where if you are that married person with kids, you recognise the kind of parental humour and things like that. It it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was alright. So if you're ever stuck having to watch it for some reason, I don't know in what kind of situation that might occur, but don't fear it with your life. I've seen a lot worse films than this, but just don't seek it out. There you go. <laughs> there you go, indeed. Um, why do you like body shot films? I, I, do you know what? It's, it's just a, It comes from my youth, um, from watching big... It's that whole idea of... Um, like what you could do as a different person, um, it's, it's almost aspirational in a way. But there's always a nice moral. I don't know. I just, I, I just like the idea of body because it's not likely to happen. I don't know. I just like body swap comedies. <laughs> not like love them, love them. But I, I can, I can even watch a bad one through to the end just because I like the idea. I, li- I like the. Um, I like I like the hilarity that inevitably ensues. Basically, I don't know if there's enough of them though to um to really call it a genre. It, it's a very niche genre. It's a very, it is it's a subgenre. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But you've, you've, missed, no, I, you've missed another one with with Zac Efron, Seventeen again. That's it, Seventeen again with uh, Matthew Perry, and interestingly, Leslie Mann plays the wife of a man who gets body swapped there. So she's actually carving out a very niche career of the wife of people in body swap comedies. So, interesting. Yeah, That's one, well, that's one hell of a niche. That is one hell of a niche. Like Rachel McAdams has now played uh, the wife of someone who travels through time in three films in her career already. Again, nice little niche she's building there. 
You wouldn't think you could <laughs> get typecast as that, would you? I know, it's, it's an odd one to get typecast as, but she somehow managed it. God bless her. Okay, well, I'm going to, um, for this week, no film scene, but have watched quite a lot of television since we last on the podcast. I'll talk about the Breaking Bad finale in the, the new release section to break it all up a bit. But uh, for this bit, start off with Marvel's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, ties in the Avengers films and all of their films, like individual films of all the different Avengers and so on. Um, and it is about the agents of the organisation S.H.I.E.L.D. that go around. Basically, I don't really know what they do yet. The first two episodes in, it's quite boring, actually. Yeah, I've I've got halfway through the first episode and I kind of was feeling tired, so I turned it off because I'm getting so old. Um, I don't know if it's because they've got to spend so long introducing the characters and the story and they're going to end up with like an overarching plot for the whole series or it's going to be an individual standalone episode each week. But either way, so far, none of the characters are bad, they're just boring. They've even, yeah. Except Coulson, who seems to be irritating giving that much screen time. He was, much, yeah. he, was much, he was much better when he just kind of popped up every now and again. But since he seems to be a central character, he just seems to be irritated. I did see someone on Twitter basically compare him to Captain Jack Harkness from Torchwood and the Doctor Who universe, saying that they preferred kind of shy, shuffly uh, administrator Phil Coulson to all action. Yeah. He, not, yeah. he doesn't seem... He's, he's not... He's a logistics man more than anything. He's not really a man who goes around firing guns and blowing stuff up. And but anyway, even the cameo at the end of the second episode from Samuel L. Jackson was was rubbish. You thought so? I think that's been the best bit of the whole. Yeah, and, <laughs> even, so. and even then, it wasn't great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. It's, I think it's fair to say that it's unquestionably, unquestionably a really poorly written and acted TV series. But it's two but, episodes in. It, it's got until probably half a dozen for me to lose interest altogether. That's I right. think I think really they they need to, and they probably will start bringing in some actual characters from the comic books and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean the the point they're trying to do um, with the TV series though, is to keep um, superheroes out of it, aren't they? So I think it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. We might see, you know, I've always thought that you know. Black Widow and um, Hawkeye would make a really good TV series with the two of them working for S.H.I.E.L.D. But now, but now you can't really because now, there's yeah. no way Jeremy Renner and Scarlett Johansson are going to do a TV series. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? The actors are sort of too big for it. And Jeremy Renner was maybe not even likely to come back full stop right, because yeah. he was really annoyed with how he was treated in the Avengers. Well, how, yeah. and what, what was his problem? Um, his problem was uh, his character didn't develop in the. He didn't basically sign on to be a zombie for half the film and just walk around going, "Okay, boss." Sure. I, I think he was a bit annoyed. I, d- I don't think it was sold to him in the way that it ended up on screen anyway. Oh, well, I think he expected to actually be able to develop a bit of a character, and he was the one character that was pretty much, "Oh, look, there's. Look, he's been turned into a zombie. Oh, he's banged his head. He's not a zombie anymore." All right, he's just going to fire some arrows. He he was one that didn't really have any backstory. We didn't really get much character development. I, I think he expected a bit more. Yeah, and there's, right. they've not gone with making a Hawkeye film at all. So no. Yeah, you can see why he's pretty annoyed with it. Yeah. 
because that's the thing, he is actually Jeremy Renner, you know, he's got yeah. he's quite a big actor himself, if you've got someone a little bit less high profile but when he first, when he first, got, when he first got that gig playing Hawkeye in Thor, he wasn't really that big, was he? He was, he was recognised but I wouldn't have said he was as big as what he is now I mean, he's bigger than any yeah. of the actors they've got in for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm, yeah. yeah, so he's unlikely to do that yeah, no, you're right, it is a shame because I think both those characters would have from what I can gather, fitted into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. quite well. well and but... They don't really need a lot of special effects or anything, do they, for their powers or anything? No, yeah. no that's right. Um, but anyway, yes, it started off badly. Um, it, can, it can only get better, but it, it might not. It's a shame, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon TV series, and sometimes they do start a bit slowly. Uh, so hopefully... Yeah, I, I hope it does well. I mean, he's only directed the first one, and he's an executive. He wrote the first uh, and, one, and didn't wrote he? it. Yeah, and he's an executive yeah. producer. So I don't yeah, know how much so. of his hands-on. Um, but if he wrote and directed the first one and it wasn't that great, that doesn't strike me with huge amounts of confidence. To be, to be honest, his shows don't normally start fantastically well. No, they don't. So no. you'd have to just give it. To we'll him, see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second programme I want to talk about is on BBC Two, the sitcom I spoke about in my um, TV autumn preview is The Wrong Man's starring James Corden and Matthew Banton and written by both of those two. Owen's watched them both as well. Um, it is about two um, council workers for Berkshire Council who become in... Uh, in, 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 in Involved, <laughs> yeah, involved in um, a web of crime and corruption and all that kind of thing. After Sam, played by Banton, just kind of picks up a phone when he when he witnesses a car crash. Um, it is very good. It's very funny. Uh, the plot so far, after two episodes out of six, works. Um, there's some good performances, especially by Matthew Banton as Sam in kind of the lead role. He's got a very funny face, I think. <laughs> I think that I think that's kind of the best way to say it. His his facial expressions are often some of the funniest things that he he does. Particularly in that first episode. Yeah. So, yeah. His kind of reaction to the car crash. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of the whole series so far. I think. In fact, that whole the way that whole scene was shot, I really enjoyed that mm. one. Um, um, but yeah, it's been it's been well received by critics. And uh, oh, what have you made of the first two? Um, yeah, I mean, the first one I liked uh, a, a bit more than the second episode. I think this, the second episode was just a little bit too, um, trying to move along a plot and stuff, you know, it was less about trying to make the characters be funny. Although, when it did put funny scenes and situations into it, like there's a scene with um, Matthew Benton trying to get out of a um, a meeting room, boardroom, with a bag of stuff. Uh, well, I won't go into it in case anyone's still not seen the second episode yet. But yeah, so they put situations in like that, which I think you know they're amusing, but it's yeah, it didn't really hit the same heights as the first episode did. But again, like we were talking about Agents of Shield, I'm going to stick with it because I think there's a lot of potential with it as well. Mm. It, the, f- the first episode was really good and really promising. The second one probably not so much, but like you said, it was trying to drive the plot along a bit yeah. more. There's a lot more plot in it, but there was still there were still funny bits. A lot of it with the um, person that they kidnapped was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Centered around centered around that. And James Corden 
isn't that irritating in it. But like I said before, when he's not playing himself, he isn't that bad. And he's, and he's actually pretty good at writing as well. So, yeah. Basically, a message to James Corden is, is a lot of the time you'll hear people say, just be yourself. But James Corden, just don't. <laughs> be, some, be someone else. You're generally more likable. I'm sure he'll take your advice and donate his millions of pounds to charity or something, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's uh, all for what we've been watching. And then uh, after this quick break, we have got our uh, new release reviews. So new release film. Uh, James, you've watched Filth uh, starring James McAvoy, and we have a clip for it. What we would do is all the men would go to the photocopying room, one by one, of course, no offence if that's your thing, and what they'd do is we would photocopy an image of our wedding tackle. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of the Sheila's would pin it to a notice board. It'd then be up to the lassies to match the male member with the corresponding owner. What a load of bollocks, man. Let's do it. Okay, so that was a clip of Phil starring James McAvoy. James, what did you think of the film? Uh, I'm really pleased that it lived up to my expectations considering it was in my autumn preview. It is a quintessentially brilliant, dirty, degrading British film. Um, it's about a bent, corrupt copper played by James McAvoy, DS Bruce Robertson, who um, is having to solve the case of a murdered Japanese student while vying amongst his uh, colleagues and rivals for promotion and dealing with the fact that uh, he's got a a kind of on-off relationship with his wife and daughter. It's based on the Irvine Welsh book. And one thing I just have to say, James McAvoy is an absolute revelation in this film. He is mesmerising as this bigoted, disgusting, amoral copper um, who is just destroy it, trying to destroy everyone around him just to win this promotion. He is incredible. He is funny. He is horrible to look at at times. He throws everything into this role, and he's rapidly becoming one of my acting crushes now. After a really good year, he was in trance. He was brilliant in trance. I didn't really like trance, but he was brilliant in that. Um, he was very... He, really surprised me and welcome to the punch but this incredible and it is one of those films it's just one of those performances that he should be oscar nominated for he won't be um i'm certain of that he'll be lucky to get a bafta nomination it's not that type of film unfortunately he's incredible support from um image and poots and eddie mars and those two in particular and jamie bell as well fantastic support though um, brilliant soundtrack loads of cracking cover versions kind of in a northern soul style um, which I really enjoyed. Plus Clint Mansell with another brilliant um, score as well. It, it kicks you in the face. It is very funny. Then it changes tack about halfway through. It becomes a very, very disturbing film. Um, kind of a cross between Dennis Potter, A Clockwork Orange, and some of the scariest bits of train spotting. You get a little bit of that in there as well. Um, it's about time we had a good Irvine Welsh film because everything since train spotting has been terrible finally we've got one that we deserve brilliant brilliant film 
Um, I, I really enjoyed it, but it is the type of film you will need to take a shower afterwards if you are at all <laughs> a decent human being. Um, I think uh, Rob, Rob, Robbie Cousins put it best. He said he loved every minute of it, but couldn't take another second more. And that, yeah, that is a brilliant review of this film um, that I've just, yeah, at least I've credited it to someone else. Um, just very quickly, I also saw Blue Jasmine this week, Kate Blanchett, another definite Oscar nomination another brilliant performance um, the film itself eh, not so much um, look at my letterbox review uh, uh, and I'll tweet on Twitter later for that one okay and you saw Runner Runner um, we've got a clip of that as well welcome aboard this is the house I never in a million years thought I'd have something like this why the house because the house always wins which is why we don't have to cheat people. But the math is right. Am I missing something? No. No, you didn't miss anything. We missed something. I'm very grateful. I am nothing if not world-class showing my gratitude. So, your account has been credited with the amount of money that you lost. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Well, listen. I put a little something extra in here for your troubles. I'll get you through your masters. I think that ends our business here. Unless, of course, you feel like sticking around and taking a shot at a real business. Guaranteed seven figures in the first 18 months. Guaranteed eight figures in the first three years. What do you say? Is it Newark? Or do you stick around here with me? What do you think? Cool. There was our clip of Runner Runner. So, yes, Owen, tell us all about that one. Uh, okay, yeah, Runner Runner is directed by a guy called Brad Furman, who uh, his only other film is filmed James really liked last year with his current man crush Matthew McConaughey in it, uh, called oh. The Lincoln Lawyer. Um, oh, nice. Same director. Yeah, it's about uh, a college student, uh, which is who's played by Justin Timberlake, who's um, desperate for some money to pay his tuition fees, and he uh, cracks an online poker game that is scamming people. And he finds out that it's run by a guy called, uh, I want to say Ivan Drago. That's not his name. That's the guy from Rocky Four. Um, <laughs> Ivan Block. Uh, play, <laughs> it's called Ivan Block, uh, who is played by Ben Affleck, who is um, running this crime syndicate almost, really. It's an online gambling thing. Um, so he goes out to, to meet him and um, to basically get his money back and tell him that there's a problem with his site because he thinks he'll be such an honest guy and so thankful for his helpful advice. Um, yeah, it's really a bad film. I said it on my, on the way out of the cinema to my wife um, and then I said it on Twitter when I got home and, you know, even having a break between seeing it about two weeks ago and now I still think the same thing. It's just trash. There's It's an action thriller with no action or thrills. It's got the same <laughs> level dialogue as the cheapest... 80s Stallone movie with the same cheap pantomime characters and story that just moves from one point to the next point to the next point to the next point to the next point without anything of any note really happening between um, yeah just think of an action film if someone had removed all of the action scenes that's basically what you're left with it's at least you know it's got a decent ending I'll give it that there's a nice little not so much a twist, but the way that it, it wraps itself up at the end was quite well done. Um, it's quite short. It's only about an hour and a half long, uh, which unfortunately doesn't stop it from dragging from beginning to end. But, you know, at least you're only enjoying a sprint rather than a marathon. 
Um, but yeah, you just keep waiting and waiting for the good part to happen. You think that now that you know Justin Timberlake is, is understanding what uh, Ben Affleck's doing, he's been picked up by the FBI agent, played by Anthony Mackie, and you think, okay, this no something's going to happen. This is the point where something's about to change, and it's going to raise all kinds of shit, and the, the story's just going to explode into this massive uh, global kind of thriller and no nothing happens it just carries on plodding along um honestly it's just so boring ben affleck as well i'm really sorry to drag up this debate um but ben affleck he plays the kingpin in this film so he has a few scenes where he has to be quite menacing and quite aggressive and shouty and it just basically made me feel that I'm sorry, he won't be able to play Batman very well. I, I said it at the time, I think he'll probably be a good Bruce Wayne, but his menacing is basically a toddler throwing a tantrum. So we will just have to wait and see on that. But yeah, yeah. Runner Runner, it's not a very good film at all. And I will also do a very quick review, uh, and it's one that I've posted uh, onto Letterboxd as well, uh, of a film called Pieta, which I got a preview copy of on DVD recently. Uh, it's a South Korean sort of a revenge thriller um, in most the same way as stuff like Old Boy is. It has that weird twist to it. <laughs> so it's about a guy who's a hitman. It, a woman turns up who claims to be his long lost mom. And you just go through the whole process of him um, crippling some people who owe his gang money and his mom's impact on his life at the same time. So, yeah, very interesting, very gruesome, quite explicit. Um, but it comes out on DVD on the 14th of October. So if you like sort of quite gruesome South Korean revenge thrillers, then it's probably worth a watch. I thought it was quite good. Okay. Uh, just very, very quickly for me, because I can't really say much else about it, because it'll be pretty spoiler-heavy for those who haven't seen it or those who have started watching it recently. I uh, saw the finale for Breaking Bad at the beginning of the week, uh, the excellent TV show starring Brian Cranston as the science teacher with cancer who ends up becoming a meth, crystal meth dealer to make money to leave for his family when he dies. Um, the finale was excellent, up there with the best endings of TV shows ever, I'd say. I mean, wow. a, a lot of people, a lot of people, critical of even the best TV shows ending badly, like Sopranos. That was an amazing ending. I refuse to accept that. (laughs) The way Sopranos ended was incredible. I think it was brilliant, but there's a lot of people who can't get on board with it. Um, Okay. Idiots. Idiots, we call them, Steve. Giving the viewers a huge kick to the testicles. We had the ending of Dexter this week as well. Apparently that was... Which which for me ended after season four. But um, (laughs) other people ended after season seven or eight or whatever it was. And it was a bit... Nine, I think. And it was was a bit rubbish. Um, But yes, Breaking Bad ended excellently and tied everything up. And I won't say anything more because it will ruin... Yeah, I've got my fingers in my ears from this point on because... um, I've yeah. just started watching it again, so I'm on season, season two, and I've not seen the ending, so la, 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 that's, that's pretty much all I'll say on it. Excellent. Uh, so that's all for this week's podcast, except for our recommendations for next week. Uh, Owen, what are you recommending? Um, I'm recommending, well, other than Pieta, I'm recommending a DVD, uh, The Kings of Summer, 
um, by Jordan Vote Roberts, who uh, I he favorited my tweet about his film, and I wish I was more complimentary about it because I said the Kings of Summer is very good uh, coming of age comedy, but if you're only going to watch one that was released this year, then way way back is better. So I feel a bit bad that he he favorited that, <laughs> but at the same time, Kings of Summer is really good, and I think it came out on DVD this week um, or last okay. week. So yeah, worth a watch. Okay, James. Um, I've spoke about the online streaming service Mubi before. Just say if you've not already signed up to it, you get a month for free, and it's only two ninety nine a month. And they've literally just added, um, just this weekend, just gone the Infernal Affairs trilogy. So if you've never watched Infernal Affairs or the full trilogy, it's there in streaming. And today, because it's one of those where they add a new film every day, they've added the Third Man as well. So wow. yeah, they wow, yeah, exactly two ninety nine a month, and it's free for your first month. Get involved. Uh, if you don't have Sky, but you have a television, there is not a lot worth watching this week, I must admit. But I have found late on Saturday on E4, um, starting at 20 past 11, uh, is the fantastic comedy Plane Trays and Automobiles. So, oh. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, yeah. that, but that, but generally, if you haven't got Sky, it's about the only film worth watching on terrestrial television. I will just say, Owen managed to find a full week of films to watch, and that's also up on failed critics at the yes. moment. Best film on TV. Um, the Graduate, by the we... way, is on Friday. I watched that today. Really Friday, good yeah. film. I recommend yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to apologise very quickly. I'm sure Steve was going to, but it's mo- mostly my, prob- my mostly my fault. Very short podcast this week due to technical problems, the fact that we've got things to do. So I promise you, very shortly after this one is released, we will release the Studio Ghibli Corridor of Praise to bulk us up to a, at least an hour and a quarter of us talking about this film and, this week. And if you liked our new short, shorter format, don't get used to it because it isn't no. going to be a regular thing. <laughs> Next week we'll be back to our near two-hour yeah. <laughs> don't worry about that um, anyway that's all for this week what, what have we got up next week James uh, next week we've got uh, reviews of The Fifth Estate the Benedict Cumberbatch WikiLeaks film um, and then potentially Machete Kills if any of us can get around to seeing it I don't know um, plus all the old usual gubbins and I'm finally going to have my discussion on uh, the fact that Matthew McConaughey is the, the best actor working in Hollywood today there you go there's a little film just <laughs> I'm trailing a, a debate. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, so that's all for this week. Thanks to everyone who's contributed and listened in, and we'll be back roughly the same time next week. The failed critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman, and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics.
credit, but um, he's been the director Michael Hanneke has been mentioned before with Amour, mm-hmm. which uh, I know that you loved last year, um, yes. James. But I've still not seen that. But it is on Netflix, so I will try and get around to it. I watched um, one of his earlier films, well, earlier than Amour, uh, Cachet, or Hidden, as it is titled over here. Um, mm-hmm. It's the first of his films that I've ever seen. I know that's a bit bad because he's quite a you know critically accepted genius of filmmaking. Um, but, yeah, it's the first, first time I've watched any of his movies. Um, and I feel a little bit kind of already on the defensive about it because, it, oh, yeah, okay, I can see that in many respects it is quite a, um, you know, a really well-made film. It's unlike most other films that I've seen. The the plot to the, the, the story, actually, the story is just really what you would expect from a standard um, mystery kind of thriller type film, you know? Uh, it's about a guy who's received, or a guy and his wife who are receiving videotapes, um, just of them entering their house, leaving their house, just really strange videos, just to kind of mess with their heads, basically, um, just as I'm doing normal things. Um, the husband kind of thinks he knows who's sending the tapes, so he goes out to try and find this guy and confront him. But he's, you know, he's absolutely convinced that it's this person who's sending the tapes. Keeps it a little bit secret from his wife. Um, and it's kind of a mystery to the viewer as well in in many respects. So, I mean, it, it does seem like it's got the plot for a very, um, you know, it could almost be a Luke Besson film, you know. It's, it's this guy sending tapes and a guy who goes to confront him about it and it's all a bit strange. But it's, it's unlike any thriller I've seen. It, there's no genre that I could kind of pigeonhole it to when I was trying to think what type of film is it. Because the way that it's shot is just unusual i mean very very unusual it's it's mainly about a, a film about people and um you know how past crimes you've always got this guilty conscience about things that you did as a kid or you know you might have done when you were younger and you know you, you feel a little bit guilty about it and how they haunt you all the time but then it's kind of brings to to the front of your mind these like prejudices that are innate uh, in everybody, really, everyone, when they're in times of desperation and they're really struggling and there's no one else left to blame and it all comes down to, you know, whether it's, um, you know, racial prejudices in some characters, whether it's social class prejudices they might they might hold against people. Um, it's really trying to express how, doesn't matter how civilised you pretend to be, everyone, it, you know, when you're panicking, you just reach out and try to blame anything, really. And you try and grasp onto these these things to try and relieve your own guilt, and they're you know partly what ties into the title of hidden, I think, and it's these things that you suppress in yourself, and you don't want people to, you you don't even claim to have yourself, but you know perhaps everybody's got something there, and it's interesting. The, what I know annoys a lot of people about cachet. I put it out there on Twitter because I was really struggling to decide whether I like this film or not. And I wanted some people's um, opinions to help me try and formulate my own, really. Um, and it seemed to get a mix of people who thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was fantastic. And it's just this revolutionary way of filmmaking. Um, and other people who were saying that it's just this film about nothing. Nothing happens. There's just lots and lots of shots of... Um, things that you are left to interpret on yourself uh, by yourself. So, do you think this is what's happening? Do, does this seem like it's logical to you as the viewer? And uh, yeah, I can see how that would that is annoying um, at times. It leaves a lot of things unanswered. A lot of the plot is unspoken. 
and a lot of the characters' motivations are left for you to draw your own conclusions to. And the way that the film kind of ends, again, going back to how most psychological thrillers end, they have a twist, they have this big massive confrontation, this conflict that gets resolved. Um, Here it's just, it, it, it doesn't fizzle out so much as it just stops. <laughs> you know, it just goes yeah. on. And then at the end of it, that's the end of the film. Here you go. I've made this film for you, says Michael Haneke, and you can just watch it and you decide whether you like it or not. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really hard to kind of find ways to critique it um, because a lot of it, I assume, kind of went over my head and was maybe a bit too clever for me. Um, So I'm struggling to think of why I wouldn't like it. But then at the same time, I can't decide if I did like it, why did I like it? What did I like about it? Because I'm, I'm just kind of grasping at straws for things to think of. Well, why, why, why would it be a good film? So it's a weird film for me to try and review on here because uh, I've written a, re- a review that I've posted, posted on Letterboxd. Um, you know, I watched it a week ago and I'm still thinking about it now. And I still can't decide whether I liked it or not. I can see it's a very well-made film. I can see it's just completely different to everything else I've ever seen that's, you know, that's got a similar sort of plot to it. Um, but yeah, I don't know whether I liked it or not. I just don't know. That I, I've not seen it. I've got it on my shelf to watch. Okay. Uh, it's another one that I picked up for two quid secondhand in a charity shop type thing. Um, but it does sound to me, in a way, a similar experience that I had with a more. Ended up loving a more, but I okay. left the cinema in that whole sense that I've no idea quite what I've just seen. Mm. I don't quite know what I think about it. But what I love is that it. You you can't not have a reaction to it, and you might swing from one to another. And it seems yeah. to me that's very much his style of filmmaking. He's he's not going to give you an easy time no. and give you something nice and easy. And go, oh, that was all tied up nice nicely. Um, yeah, that's yeah. exactly the kind of reaction I had to the ending. I thought, well, as soon as it finished, I thought, what the was that about? What on mm. earth just happened? What did I watch? And then. After a bit of time and thinking about it a bit more, I thought, oh, okay, that was quite clever. I'll see what he was doing there. But then, yeah, yeah, still stuck in the I don't know whether I like it or not camp, I'm afraid. So I'm going to take the um, easy way out and say to people, you watch it and then you decide if you like it. And I'd be interested to hear anyone who, you know, whatever opinion you had on it, bad or good, because it's just one of those films that you you want other people to see so you can talk about and try and work it for yourself. What you thought of it? Yeah, very interesting film though. Very different. Okay, um, James, what did you watch this? Uh, very briefly, uh, I'll be very brief on mine because it doesn't really deserve a huge. It's not that it was a bad film. Basically, uh, I watched Filth, um, and then I decided to watch some other crooked, corrupt cops going into you know the pit of insanity along a similar theme. Uh, so I tried to watch uh, rewatch. Cause I watched it a few years ago, but I didn't remember it very well. Um, Werner Herzog and Nicolas Cage's Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Uh, but my disc was scratched, so I only got halfway through that. Then I tried to watch the theatrical version. Uh, not the theatrical, the director's cut of Leon, because I've never seen that before. Apparently that's got a few disturbing ideas around um, underage sex and stuff like that. Uh, fell asleep during that as well. Uh, so I'm going to have to go to a film that I watched last week, because I've not watched that many films this week, unfortunately. Not a lot of time. Um, apart from Minister Musso, The Change-Up, so very quickly. <laughs> the Change-Up uh, is from the director of Wedding Crashes and the writers of The Hangover. Gives you a rough idea of what we're looking at here. Um, 
It stars Jason Bateman and Ryan Reynolds plus Leslie Mann and uh, Olivia Wilde. And it is, it's a, an example of one of my, one of the genres that I've got a soft spot for, and that is the body swap comedy <laughs> genre. Uh, as I've always enjoyed that. Ever since when I was younger, I saw, I saw Big, which was one person swapping into an older body. Uh, but classic examples of the genre obviously include uh, the original Freaky Friday, plus the remake with Jamie Lee Curtis and... Uh, Lindsay Lohan, um, and also vice versa, which I believe it was Judge Reinhold and possibly Fred Savage. I think that's what we're looking at there. Um, this is again, it's, what happens is Jason Bateman, who uh, most people know from Arrested Development, uh, he is a married man with two kids and a loving wife, but he feels kind of trapped uh, by the, all this responsibility. He's also a lawyer, just about to make partner. His best mate. Uh, is played by Ryan Reynolds, and he is an actor, or a struggling actor, but he's in the sexual prime, he's having sex with loads of women, he's very confident, he's a bit of a douchebag, basically. And then one night they're out drinking, and they say that they're jealous of each other's lives, and they're peeing in a fountain, and it gets struck by lightning, and they end up changed bodies, and hilarity ensues, as you can imagine. Um, Does it, though? <laughs> At times, I'll be honest, there were some funny bits to it. Um, It does help that Jason Bateman is a very funny man. I like him a lot. Ryan Reynolds is very good in this as well. And one of the good things about this, yeah, my other favourite body swap film is uh, Face Off. Uh, (laughs) And what I loved about Face Off was actually how Nicolas Cage and John Travolta got each other's mannerisms really well done uh, when they were swapped. And actually that happens here. Ryan Reynolds does some very good Jason Bateman uh, like as Ryan Reynolds, but he kind of brings in mannerisms of how Jason Bateman would be if he was inside Ryan Reynolds' body and vice versa. And that helps. Um, I watched the unrated extra rude version, obviously. Uh, there was an extra two minutes of I don't know what in there. I can't compare it to the theatrical version. Um but there was some, there was some quite weird, because you the the body swap comedy is generally quite a soft genre. It's quite a family friendly, very 80s genre. Um, this was, you could tell it was written by the people who wrote The Hangover and directed by the bloke who wrote, um, did Wedding Crashers. There was some, there was some rude moments. Um, Leslie Mann gets her tits out, but they're not hers. Apparently they're computer generated and everything like that. But you know, there's a lot of toilet humour, there's a lot of crass humour. But there is some funny bits. There are some moments where if you are that married person with kids, you recognise the kind of parental humour and things like that. It, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was alright. So if you're ever stuck having to watch it for some reason, I don't know in what kind of situation that might occur, but don't fear it with your life. I've seen a lot worse films than this, but just don't seek it out. There you go. <laughs> there you go, indeed. Um, why do you like body swap films? I, I, do you know what? It's, it's just a, It comes from my youth, um, from watching Big... It's that whole idea of... Um, like what you could do as a different person, um, it's, it's almost aspirational in a way. But there's always a nice moral. I don't know. I just I I just like the idea of body because it's not likely to happen. I don't know. I just like body swap comedies. <laughs> not like love them, love them. But I I can I can even watch a bad one through to the end just because I like the idea. I, li- I like the um 
I like I like the hilarity that inevitably ensues. Basically, I don't know if there's enough of them though to um to really call it a genre. It, it's a very niche genre. It's a very, it is it's a subgenre. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. You've uh, missed, no, missed another one with with Zac Efron. Seventeen again. That's it. Seventeen again with uh, Matthew Perry. And interestingly, Leslie Mann plays the wife of a man who gets body swapped there so she's actually carving out a very niche career of the wife of people in body swap comedies so interesting yeah that's one, well that's one hell of a niche that is one hell of a niche like rachel mcadams has now played uh the wife of someone who travels through time in three films in her career already again nice little niche she's building there you wouldn't think you could get typecast is that would you I know, it's, a, it's an odd one to get typecast as, but she somehow managed it. God bless her. Okay, well, I'm going to, um, for this week, no film seen, but have watched quite a lot of television since we last on the podcast. I'll talk about the Breaking Bad finale in the, the new release section to break it all up a bit. But uh, for this bit, start off with Marvel's uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D which is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, ties in the Avengers films and all their films, like individual films of all the different Avengers and so on. Um, and it is about the agents of the organisation S.H.I.E.L.D. that go around... Basically, I don't really know what they do yet. The first two episodes in, it's quite boring, actually. Yeah, I've, I've got halfway through the first episode and I kind of was feeling tired, so just, turned it off because I'm getting so old. Um, I don't know if it's because they've got to spend so long introducing the characters and the story and they're going to end up with like an overarching plot for the whole series or it's going to be an individual standalone episode each week. But either way, so far, none of the characters are bad, they're just boring. They've even, yeah. Except Coulson, who seems to be irritating giving that much screen time. He was, much, yeah. he, was much, he was much better when he just kind of popped up every now and again. But since he seems to be a central character, he just seems to be irritated. I did see someone on Twitter basically compare him to Captain Jack Harkness from Torchwood and the Doctor Who universe, saying that they preferred kind of shy, shuffly uh, administrator Phil Coulson to all action. Yeah. He's, not, yeah. He doesn't seem... He's, from, he's not... He's a logistics man more than anything. He's not really the man who goes around firing guns and blowing stuff up. And but anyway, even the cameo at the end of the second episode from Samuel L. Jackson was was rubbish. You thought so? I think that's been the best bit of the whole. Yeah, and, year he, or so. and even then it wasn't great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. It's, I think it's fair to say that it's unquestionably, unquestionably a really poorly written and acted TV series. But it's two episodes in. It's got until probably half a dozen for me to lose interest altogether. That's I right. think I think really they they need to, and they probably will start bringing in some actual characters from the comic books and that kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean the the point they're trying to do um, with the TV series though, is to keep um, superheroes out of it, aren't they? So I think it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. We might see, you know, I've always thought that you know. Black Widow and um, Hawkeye would make a really good TV series with the two of them working for S.H.I.E.L.D. But, but, now, but now you can't really because now, yeah. there's no way Jeremy Renner and Scarlett Johansson are going to do a TV series. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? The actors are sort of too big for it. And Jeremy Renner was 
maybe not even likely to come back full stop because right, yeah. he was really annoyed with how he was treated in the Avengers. Well, how, yeah. and what, what was his problem? Um, his problem was uh, his character didn't develop in the way... He didn't basically sign on to be a zombie for half the film and just walk around going, OK, boss. Sure. I, I think he was a bit annoyed. I, d- I don't think it was sold to him in the way that it ended up on screen anyway. Oh, well. I think he expected to actually be able to develop a bit of a character, and he was the one character that was pretty much, oh, look, there's, look he's been turned into a zombie. Oh, he's banged his head. He's not a zombie anymore. All right, he's just going to fire some arrows. He he was one that didn't really have any backstory. We didn't really get much character development. I, I think he expected a bit more. Yeah, and there's, right. they've not gone with making a Hawkeye film at all, so... No. Yeah, you can see why he's really annoyed with it. Yeah, because that's the thing. He is actually Jeremy Renner. You know, he's got yeah. he's quite a big actor himself. If you've got someone a little bit less high profile... But when he, first, when he, first, got, when he first got that gig playing... Hawkeye in thought he wasn't really that big, was he? He was he was recognised, but I wouldn't have said he was as big as what he is now. I mean, he's bigger than any no. of the actors they've got in for Agents of Shield. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's unlikely to do that. Yeah, no, you're right. It is a shame because I think both those characters would have, from what I can gather, fitted into Agents of Shield quite well. well. And but... They don't really need a lot of special effects or anything, do they, for their powers or no. anything? Yeah. No, that's right. Um, but anyway, yes, it started off badly. Um, it can it can only get better, but it it might not. It's a shame because I'm I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon TV series, and sometimes they do start a bit slowly. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, I, I hope it does well. I mean, he's only directed the first one, and he's an executive. He wrote the first uh, and, one, and wrote it, yeah, and he's an executive yeah. producer. So I don't yeah, know how much so. of his hands-on. Um... But if he wrote and directed the first one, and it wasn't that great, that doesn't strike me with huge amounts of confidence. To be, to be honest, his shows don't normally start fantastically well. No, they don't. So no. you'd have to just give it to We'll see. Thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, the second programme I want to talk about is on BBC Two, the sitcom I spoke about in my um, TV autumn preview is The Wrong Man's starring James Corden and Matthew Banton and written by both of those two. Owens watched them both as well. Um, it is about two um, council workers for Berkshire Council who become in, uh, in, 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 in involved, in, yeah, involved in um, a web of crime and corruption and all that kind of thing. After Sam, played by Banton, just kind of picks up a phone when he when he witnesses a car crash. Um, it is very good. It's very funny. Uh, the plot so far, two episodes out of six, works. Um, there's some good performances, especially by Matthew Banton as Sam in kind of the lead role. He's got a very funny face, I think. <laughs> I think that I think that's kind of the best way to say it. His his facial expressions are often some of the funniest things that he he does. Particularly in that first episode. Yeah. So. <laughs> his kind of reaction to the car crash. Yeah, that was one of the highlights of the whole series so far, I think. In fact, that whole, the way that whole scene was shot, I really enjoyed that mm. one. Um, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been well received by critics. And uh, Owen, what have you made of the first two? Um, yeah, I mean, the first one I liked it, uh, a, a bit more than the second episode. I think this, the second episode was just a little bit too... Um, trying to move along a plot and stuff, you know. It was less about trying to make the characters be funny. Although... When it did put funny 
scenes and situations into it. Like there's a scene with um, Matthew Benton trying to get out of a um, a meeting room, boardroom, with a bag of stuff. Uh, well, I won't go into it in case anyone's still not seen the second episode yet. But yeah, so they put situations in like that, which I think you know they're amusing, but it's yeah, it didn't really hit the same heights as the first episode did. But again, like we were talking about Agents of Shield, I'm going to stick with it because I think there's a lot of potential with it as well. Mm. It, the, f- the first episode was really good and really promising. The second one probably not so much, but like you said, it was trying to drive the plot along a bit yeah. more. There's a lot more plot in it, but there was still there were still funny bits. A lot of it with the um, person that they kidnapped was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, centered around centered around that. And James Corden isn't that irritating in it, but like I said before, when he's not playing himself, he isn't that bad, and he's and he's actually pretty good at writing as well. So yeah, basically, a message to James Corden is is a lot of the time you'll hear people say just be yourself, but James Corden just don't. <laughs> be, some, be someone else you're generally more likeable I'm sure he'll take your advice and donate his millions of pounds to charity or something Steve <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway that's uh, all for what we've been watching and then uh, after this quick break we have got our uh, new release reviews <laughs> So, new release film. Uh, James, you've watched Filth, uh, starring James McAvoy, and we have a clip for it. Well, what we would do is all the men would go to the photocopying room, one by one, of course, no offence if that's your thing, and what they'd do is we would photocopy an image of our wedding tackle. <laughs> and then one of the Sheila's would pin it to a notice board. It'd then be up to the lassies to match the male member with the corresponding owner. What a load of bollocks, man. Let's do it. Oh! Hey, so that was a clip of Phil starring James McAvoy. James, what did you think of the film? Uh, I'm really pleased that it lived up to my expectations considering it was in my autumn preview. It is a quintessentially brilliant, dirty, degrading British film. Um, it's about a bent, corrupt copper played by James McAvoy, DS Bruce Robertson, who um, is having to solve the case of a murdered Japanese student while vying amongst his uh, colleagues and rivals for promotion and dealing with the fact that uh, he's got a a kind of on-off relationship with his wife and daughter. It's based on the Irvine Welsh book. And one thing I just have to say, James McAvoy is an absolute revelation in this film. He is mesmerising as this bigoted disgusting amoral copper um who is just destroy trying to destroy everyone around him just to win this promotion he is incredible he is funny he is horrible to look at at times he throws everything into this role and he's rapidly becoming one of my acting crushes now after a really good year he was in trance he was brilliant in trance and didn't really like trance but he was brilliant in that um he was very he really surprised me in welcome to the punch but this incredible and it is one of those films it's just one of those performances that he should be oscar nominated for he won't be um I'm certain of that. He'll be lucky to get a BAFTA nomination. It's not that type of film, unfortunately. He's incredible. Support from um, Imogen Poots and Eddie Mars, those two in particular, and Jamie Bell as well. Fantastic support, though. 
Um, brilliant soundtrack, loads of cracking cover versions, kind of in a Northern Soul style, um, which I really enjoyed. Plus Clint Mansell with another brilliant um, score as well. It, it kicks you in the face. It is very funny. Then it changes tack about halfway through. It becomes a very, very disturbing film. Um, kind of a cross between Dennis Potter, A Clockwork Orange, and some of the scariest bits of Train Spotting. You get a little bit of that in there as well. Um, it's about time we had a good Irvine Welsh film because everything since Train Spotting has been terrible. Finally, we've got one that we deserve. Brilliant, brilliant film. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, but it is the type of film you will need to take a shower afterwards if you are at all <laughs> a decent human being. Um, I think uh, Rob, Rob, Robbie Cousins put it best. He said he loved every minute of it, but couldn't take another second more. And that, you know, that is a brilliant review of this film. Um, that I've just, you know, at least I've credited it to someone else. Um, just very quickly, I also saw Blue Jasmine this week. Kate Blanchett, another definite Oscar nomination another brilliant performance um, the film itself eh, not so much um, look at my letterbox review uh, and I'll tweet on Twitter later for that one okay oh, and you saw Runner Runner um, we've got a clip of that as well welcome aboard this is the house I never in a million years thought I'd have something like this why the house because the house always wins which is why we don't have to cheat people. But the math is right. Am I missing something? No. No, you didn't miss anything. We missed something. I'm very grateful. I am nothing if not world-class showing my gratitude. So, your account has been credited with the amount of money that you lost. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Well, listen. I put a little something extra in here for your troubles. I'll get you through your masters. But I think that ends our business here. Unless, of course, you feel like sticking around and taking a shot at a real business. Guaranteed seven figures in the first 18 months. Guaranteed eight figures in the first three years. What do you say? Is it Newark? Or you stick around here with me? What do you think? Cool. There was our clip of Runner Runner. So, yes, Owen, tell us all about that one. Uh, okay, yeah, Runner Runner is directed by a guy called Brad Furman, who, uh, his only other film is filmed that James really liked last year with his current man crush, Matthew McConaughey, in it, uh, called oh. The Lincoln Lawyer. Um, oh, nice. Same director, yeah. It's about uh, a college student, uh, which is who's played by Justin Timberlake, who's um, desperate for some money to pay his tuition fees, and he uh, cracks an online poker game that is scamming people. And he finds out that it's run by a guy called, uh, I want to say Ivan Drago. That's not his name. That's the guy from Rocky IV. <laughs> um, Ivan Block. Uh, play, <laughs> it's called Ivan Block, uh, who is played by Ben Affleck, who is um, running this crime syndicate almost, really. It's an online gambling thing. Um, so he goes out to, to meet him and um, to basically get his money back and tell him that there's a problem with his site because he thinks he'll be such an honest guy and so thankful for his helpful advice. Um, yeah, it's really a bad film. I said it on my, on the way out of the cinema to my wife um, and then I said it on Twitter when I got home and, you know, even having a break between seeing it about two weeks ago and now I still think the same thing. It's just trash. There's It's an action thriller with no action or thrills. It's got the same <laughs> level dialogue as the cheapest... 80s Stallone movie with the same cheap pantomime characters 
and story that just moves from one point to the next point to the next point to the next point to the next point without anything of any note really happening between um yeah just think of an action film if someone had removed all of the action scenes that's basically what you're left with it's at least you know it's got a decent ending i'll give it that there's a nice little not so much twist but the way that it, it wraps itself up at the end was quite well done um it's quite short it's only about an hour and a half long uh, which unfortunately doesn't stop it from dragging from beginning to end, but you know at least you're only enjoying a sprint rather than a marathon. Um, but yeah, you just keep waiting and waiting for the good part to happen. You think that now that you know Justin Timberlake is he's understanding what uh, Ben Affleck's doing. He's been picked up by the FBI agent played by Anthony Mackie, and you think, okay, this now something's going to happen. This is the point where something's about to change. And it's going to raise all kinds of shit. And the, the story is just going to explode into this massive uh, global kind of thriller. And no, nothing happens. It just carries on plodding along. Um, oh, honestly, it's just so boring. Ben Affleck as well. I'm really sorry to drag up this debate. Um, but Ben Affleck, he plays the kingpin in this film. So he has a few scenes where he has to be quite menacing and quite aggressive and shouty and it just basically made me feel that i'm sorry he won't be able to play batman very well i, I said it at the time i think he'll probably be a good bruce wayne but his menacing is basically a toddler throwing a tantrum so we will just have to wait and see on that but yeah, yeah. runner runner it's not a very good film at all and i will also do a very quick review uh, and it's one that I've posted uh, onto Letterboxd as well, uh, of a film called Pieta, which I got a preview copy of on DVD recently. Uh, it's a South Korean sort of a revenge thriller, um, in most the same way as stuff like Old Boy is. It has that weird twist to it. <laughs> so it's about a guy who's a hitman, a woman turns up who claims to be his long-lost mom, and you just go through the whole process of him... Um, crippling some people who owe his gang money and his mom's impact on his life at the same time. So, yeah, very interesting, very gruesome, quite explicit. Um, but it comes out on DVD on the 14th of October. So if you like sort of quite gruesome South Korean revenge thrillers, then it's probably worth a watch. I thought it was quite good. OK, uh, just very, very quickly for me, because can't really say much else about it because it'll be pretty spoiler heavy for those who haven't seen it or those who have started watching it recently. I uh, saw the finale for Breaking Bad at the beginning of the week, uh, the excellent TV show starring Brian Cranston as the science teacher with cancer who ends up becoming a meth, crystal meth dealer to make money to leave for his family when he dies. Um, the finale was excellent up there with the best endings of TV shows ever, I'd say. I mean, wow. a, a lot of people, a lot of people are critical of even the best TV shows ending badly, like Sopranos. That was an hot, amazing ending. Hot, I the, refuse to accept that. No, but, <laughs> the, no, the way I, Sopranos I think, ended was incredible. I think it was brilliant, but there's a lot yeah, of people okay. who can't get on board with it. Um, okay. Lost, Idiots. Lost, lost, Idiots, we call them, Steve. Ended with... Give, giving the viewers a huge kick to the testicles. 
We had the ending yeah. of Dexter this week as well. Yes. Did anyone watch yeah, Apparently that was... Which, I, which for me ended after season four, but um, yeah. other people <laughs> ended after season seven or eight or whatever it was, and it was a bit... Nine, I think. In and, and, it was, and it was a bit rubbish. Um, but yes, Breaking Bad ended excellently and tied everything up, and I won't say anything more because it will ruin... Yeah, I've got my fingers in my ears from this point on because um, I've yeah. just started watching it again. So I'm on season two, and I've not seen the ending. So la, 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 la. That, that's pretty much all I'll say on it. Uh, yeah, so that's all for this week's podcast, except for our recommendations for next week. Uh, Owen, what are you recommending? Um, I'm recommending, well, other than Pieta, I'm recommending a DVD, uh, The Kings of Summer, um, by Jordan Vogt-Roberts, who uh, I... He favoured my tweet about his film, and I wish I was more complimentary about it, because I said, The Kings of Summer, it's very good uh, coming-of-age comedy, but if you're only going to watch one that was released this year, then Way, Way Back is better. So I feel a bit bad that he, he favoured that. <laughs> but at the same time, Kings of Summer is really good, and I think it came out on DVD this week, um, or last okay. week, so yeah, worth a watch. Okay, James? Um, I've spoke about the online streaming service Mubi before. Just say if you've not already signed up to it, you get a month for free, and it's only two ninety nine a month. And they've literally just added, um, just this weekend, just gone the Infernal Affairs trilogy. So if you've never watched Infernal Affairs or the full trilogy, it's there in streaming. And today, because it's one of those where they add a new film every day, they've added the Third Man as well. So wow. yeah, they wow, yeah, exactly two ninety nine a month, and it's free for your first month. Get involved. Uh, if you don't have Sky, but you have a television, there is not a lot worth watching this week, I must admit. But I have found late on Saturday on E4, um, starting at 20 past 11, uh, is the fantastic comedy Plain Strays and Automobiles. So, oh, nice. um, yeah. that, but, that, but generally, if you haven't got Sky, it's about the only film worth watching on <laughs> Terrestrial television. I will just say, Owen managed to find a full week of films to watch, and that's also up on failed critics at the yes. moment. Best film on TV. Um, the Graduate, by the we... way, is on Friday. I watched that today. Really Friday, good yeah. film. I recommend yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to apologise very quickly. I'm sure Steve was going to, but it's mo- mostly my problem. My mostly my fault. Very short podcast this week due to technical problems. The fact that we've got things to do. So I promise you. Very shortly after this one is released, we will release the Studio Ghibli Corridor of Praise to bulk us up to at least an hour and a quarter of us talking about this film and, this week. And if you liked our new short, shorter format, don't get used to it because it isn't no. going to be a regular thing. <laughs> Next week, we'll be back to our near two-hour podcast. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, that's all for this week. What have we got up next week, James? Uh, next week we've got uh, reviews of The Fifth Estate, the Benedict Cumberbatch WikiLeaks film, um, and then potentially Machete Kills, if any of us can get around to seeing it. I don't know. Um, plus all the old usual gubbins. And I'm finally going to have my discussion on uh, the fact that Matthew McConaughey is the, the best actor working in Hollywood today. There you go. There's a little. So I'm, just, I'm trailing a, a debate. <laughs> Okay. Um, yes, so that's all for this week. Thanks to everyone who's contributed and listened in, and we'll be back roughly the same time next week. The failed critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman, and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at, at failedcritics. 